Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. Well, hey, today we're going to take a break from our apocalypse series. And we've been having a lot of fun with this apocalypse series. So we'll come back to that next week, okay? Especially if you haven't been here, been around, and you, that interests you, come and join us. Again, next week, we're going to talk more about tribulation stuff, you know, that seven-year period where things get, like, really crazy bad. And the rapture, Jesus coming back for his believers, but some people get left behind. Who's the Antichrist? Different things like that. You know, Revelation is that forgotten book at the back of the Bible that we all like to avoid. So we're going through. We're, we're hitting it hard, and we've been having a lot of fun, haven't we? So come back next week. We'll, we'll hit that in the next couple of weeks. and just going to continue that journey through the book of Revelation. And it's a lot of fun. Next Sunday, actually, by the way, is baptisms and burritos, too. So we want to come back for that. And if you've never been baptized, let us know. Put on the Connect card and go public with your faith next Sunday. We'll celebrate that with you. It'll be awesome. If you've never had a burrito, come next Sunday, too. You can have a burrito <laughs> and, and do that. But we're, that's going to be a fun, fun Sunday. Today, we're going to talk about new beginnings. I feel like this is an appropriate theme for us today. Anybody feel like I could use a new beginning in life, a new season in life? Look at this. this is what Zechariah says. I'll put muscle in the people of Judah. I'll save the people of Joseph. I know their pain and will make them as good as new. They'll get a fresh start as if nothing had ever happened. And why? Because I am their very own God. I'll do what needs to be done for them. And you can receive that for yourself today. A fresh start. Anybody need a fresh start? God wants to do that for you. If you will let him, he will do what needs to be done for you to have a fresh start, have a new beginning. Why? Because he is your God and he loves you. Psalm 145 says, God gives a hand to those down on their luck, gives a fresh start to those ready to quit. I love how the message continues to use that phrase, fresh start, because that's what we're talking about today, new beginnings. But have you felt that way before, feel that way recently? Maybe even now feel like, I just want to quit. I want to throw in the towel. Maybe you feel that way about your job. Maybe you feel that way about your, your marriage. Maybe you feel that way about just quitting on Jesus or just quitting on life. I got a message of hope and encouragement for you today. God sees you. He knows you. He knows what you're walking through. He empathizes with you and he is with you. He wants to meet you right where you're at and give you a new beginning, give you a fresh start. I'm a fan of golf. I love to, to play golf. I don't play it enough. I wish I could play more. And when I do, because I don't play very much, I don't play very well, typically. Anybody identify with that? I'm a fan of this thing called a mulligan in golf. Anybody use mulligans? Okay, I, I think that every round deserves two mulligans. That's what, that's, that's what I'm a believer in. And mulligans are great. You know, mulligan is a do-over. Do you know that? That's what it is. It's a do-over. So you hit a shot, you shank it out into, you know, it goes way out of bounds out into the desert where like all the rattlesnakes are. And I'm like, I'm not going out there. I don't want to go anywhere near where a snake could potentially be. 
I don't want to chase that thing. I'll, I'll, I'll hit it again. I'll take a do-over. I'll take a mulligan. I love mulligans in golf. What I've learned about God is he's the God of mulligans. He's the God of the do-over because he's the God of fresh start. He is the God of new beginnings. He's the God of second chances. He's the God of giving you another opportunity. And I believe he wants to do that for many of you here today. A new beginning. The message is this. The grace of Jesus offers you a new beginning in life today. You ready to receive that? You need that? Do you want that? The grace of Jesus offers a new beginning in life today. Hey, let's pray. Would you join me right now? Lord, thank you so much. We could gather here today, Easter Sunday, 2022. And we're just so thankful that it's not Easter 2020, that it's Easter 2022. (laughs) And uh, Lord, just thankful that we can celebrate the fact that you still are alive. And so because you're alive, Lord, I just pray that you would breathe life into this place, Lord, and that you would speak to us, meet us right where we're at, Lord. Lord, I pray for a new beginning, a fresh start for people today. And uh, Lord, as, as the sons begin their journey through the playoff, Lord, help them bring home an NBA championship this year. In Jesus' name, amen. You with me on that one? Yeah? <laughs> so hey, uh, the night before Jesus went to the cross, he was hanging out with his disciples, with his friends, and had several key conversations, very important part of the story of Jesus and his disciples. And one of the things that, that Jesus said was, Hey, guys, tonight, all of you are going to turn your back on me. You're all going to run away from me. And Peter, like, is offended at this. He's like, what? No. And Peter's response is classic Peter. He's like, I would never do that, Jesus. They might. (laughs) Even if they all do, I will never turn my back on you, Jesus. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, hey, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to disown me three times. And so Peter, again, is like, no, no, Jesus, I will die with you even if I have to. Well, wouldn't you know, just a few hours later, Jesus is arrested. And at that moment, all the disciples, they're gone. They turn their back on Jesus. The moment Jesus needed them the most, they scatter, they run, even Peter. Peter decides to follow the group that has arrested Jesus. He doesn't want to get caught. He doesn't want them to see them. So he kind of follows from a distance. He's kind of curious about what's going to happen. What are they going to do to Jesus? And so let's pick it up in Luke chapter 22 and we see what happens here as Jesus goes to trial after he's arrested. Luke 22 verse 54 says, then seizing him, seizing Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance, but when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. That's a very key detail in this story right here. Peter is now sitting around a fire. Remember that. The servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And get this, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. They caught eyes in that moment. 
Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows today. You will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. I don't know if you can identify with a moment like that. Where you did something you said you would never do. And you found yourself, you're doing it again. I'm here to let you know that the grace of Jesus is offering you a new beginning today. And you're going to see that happen in the life of Peter. This is a phenomenal story. I just, the, the relationship between Peter, especially, and Jesus is very interesting, especially in light of the journey that we're going to go on here today. But Peter is in a low moment in life right here, right? Like he has had a bad night. Like when Jesus was arrested, he grabbed a sword and he cut off the ear of some dude. Jesus had to pick up the ear off the ground and like put it back on the guy and heal him. And then he did the very thing he said he would never do. He denied Jesus three times. So this is a, perhaps the lowest moment of Peter's life. And his eyes catch with Jesus' eyes. That moment that rooster crowed. Can you imagine that? Jesus, being inside, looking outside to where Peter was, probably couldn't hear the conversation that was going on. But when that, when that rooster crowed, he knew what had happened. He turned, he looked at Peter, and Peter looked at him, and Peter lost it. He couldn't take it. And he ran away. It says, and he, what did he do? He wept bitterly. He was so full of just the pain of his failure. And he's just, he ran away not knowing how to deal with his failure. Meanwhile, Jesus is sentenced to death on a cross. And so he goes through that execution. They, they beat him. They whip him. They put that crown of thorns on him. They spit on him, mock him. He has to carry his own cross. They hammer him to this cross and he dies, which is considered to be one of the worst public executions in world history. This Roman form of execution when they would kill people on a cross. Jesus went through all of that. And when you you read through the, the passage and all that he went through and, you know, watch movies like Passion of the Christ, which did anyone watch Passion of the Christ this last week? You know, it's like you're like, oh, you think at any moment Jesus could have easily just said, I'm done. I, I, I give up. I can't take this anymore. It would have been easy for Jesus to quit, right, to throw in the towel. This is too hard. This is too difficult. Isn't it amazing that Jesus endured all of that for you and me and he never gave up? He never quit, which shows you and I today that we can count on Jesus. He won't let you down. He will not quit on you because he already showed us that he endured the cross because he loves you that much. That's why he went to the cross. So what uh, Paul says this, he says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ being the Messiah. That's what Christ means. Jesus, the Messiah. He died for you and for me. Why? Because he loves us that much. What's interesting is Jesus decided what he was going to do for you before you and I even had an opportunity to decide what we were going to do about him. Jesus decided he was going to go through the cross because he loves you before you and I even decided whether we were going to believe in him or trust in him. He already decided he loves you and he already proved that he loved you. That's why he went to the cross. Friends, this is incredible love. This is true love. And isn't that what the world's looking for? True love, right? We all want true love. Well, look to Jesus. Like the world will say, hey, go, go to the bedroom, see, see a, a couple in, in the bedroom. That's love. That's true love. But, but God would take us to the foot of the cross and show us his son bleeding and dying and says, this is true love. It's a big difference. You see, true love, it's not selfish. It's not what can I get from you. It's not finding my identity in you. You make me a better person. How you make me look makes me look better to other people. It's not you please me, but true love 
is sacrificial. True love is generous. True love is forgiveness. It's selflessness. Jesus showed us. He demonstrated true love for us. That's why he went to the cross. But we've got to understand that there is somebody who doesn't want us to receive the love of Jesus. His name's the devil. Jesus called him the enemy. He called him the thief. He says, says in this passage, John 10, 10, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So Jesus is very clear here, right? He's like, this is, this is how it is. Hey, the devil, the thief, wants to rob from you. He doesn't want anybody to experience the life-changing love of Jesus. But here's what I want. I have a rich and satisfying life for you. I have a, a life, an abundant life, is maybe what your translation says. That's his purpose. That's why Jesus went to the cross. It's because he loves you and he has life for you both today and forevermore. And the good news about the cross is that Jesus didn't stay dead, right? Like he rose from the dead. That's what Easter is all about. That's what we're celebrating today. I think that the empty tomb really is the symbol of Christianity, not the cross. It's the empty tomb. The empty tomb shows us that this thing matters. Like there are a lot of people that died on a cross per Roman execution back in the first century, but only one person rose from the dead. Okay, the, the cross is significant, obviously, right? We cannot uh, deny the power and the significance of the cross. Like we should have died because of our sins, but Jesus says, no, I'm going to take your place. I'm going to die for you. Yes, you are sentenced to death, but Jesus says, I'll take the penalty. I'll take the hit. I will die so that you can have life. All we got to do is receive and accept what Jesus did for us on the cross. So it's significant, but the empty tomb shows us it's really significant because that's what makes the cross significant, right? Because it shows us that Jesus conquered death. He's got power over death and he is who he says he was. We can trust Jesus because he conquered death because he's alive. And he made this bold claim. He said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Which, when you just take that at first glance, you read that sentence, you're like, like what are you talking about, Jesus? Like, what are you smoking there? That doesn't even make sense. Like, I'll live, but I'll die, but I'll live? Like, what, like, what does this mean? <laughs> okay, it's so, Jesus is saying we can only find true life and eternal life in him. And even though you may die physically, you will continue to live with me. Now, we're all going to face physical death, right? It's, it's going to happen for all of us. We wish we could avoid it, but it's one of, the, one of two things that we can't avoid in life, right? Death, and what's the other one? Taxes, right? Which, what's tomorrow? Hey, tax day. There you go. That's a happy thought for you. Back to Easter. We can't avoid death unless we get to experience the rapture, Jesus coming back for his people, and we get caught up in the air with him. Okay, that would be awesome. That would be amazing. It could happen at any moment, like we're talking about in this Revelation series. So if that doesn't happen for us, if we don't experience the rapture, we will experience death. We don't like the thought of that. But when we die, it's really, if we have a faith in Jesus, it's a graduation into life with him for all of eternity. It's just a transition. That's all it is. Now, we're going to spend eternity somewhere. The question is where. That's why it's important to put our faith and our trust in Jesus and to trust his words about who he says he is. I'm the resurrection of life. He who believes in me will live. Even through death, we will still live. You don't have to fear death with Jesus at all. And Jesus did something very cool after he made that statement. You know what he did? 
He walked up to the tomb of his friend Lazarus, who was dead in the tomb, and he called him out. It's an awesome story that I'd encourage you to read about in John chapter 11. But Lazarus had died. They put him in the tomb. And so Jesus shows up and he says, hey, roll away the stone. And he yells into the grave. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And wouldn't you know, Lazarus comes walking out all zombie mummy like, you know, he's got all the grave clothes and he comes back from death to life. Now, Lazarus had been dead for four days, which means he wasn't just dead like he was like really dead. Like he's dead, dead four days. Like he's been there. Uh, he, he's going to smell is what one of the people said. This is going to this is going to reek. Like, are you sure you want to open this tomb? Jesus said, no, no, no. I got I, I want to show you guys something. And he raises Lazarus from the dead. And that story is not just a demonstration of the power of Jesus, but it's a foreshadowing of what he wants to do for all of us. He wants to raise us from death to life spiritually. That's why he went to the cross and through the cross, so that spiritually we could be, go from death to life, because that's what happens when we commit our life to Jesus. We come alive in him. And that eternal life starts the moment that we give our life to Jesus. We're going to live now and forevermore. And so it's a foreshadowing of what Jesus wants to do spiritually for us, but it does also demonstrate the power of Jesus, doesn't it? Like everywhere Jesus went, he's healing people. He's proclaiming the good news of his kingdom. He's casting demons out. People are getting set free and he's raising people. from. This isn't the first person he raised from the dead. I mean, he's performing incredible miracles everywhere he goes. And can I just say this? The fact that Jesus still does that today shows us he's alive because Jesus is still healing people. Jesus is still setting people free. Jesus is still raising people from the dead. Hey, you got to understand this. Jesus didn't go to the cross just so you and I could be good people. He went to the cross so that dead things could come to life. He wants us to be alive people, full of life, full of his, his presence, full of his, his spirit. And so be, the fact that he performs miracles today shows us he is real and that he really did rise from the dead. It's evidence. And just this last fall, Really cool thing happened with some friends here in our church. And we saw a modern day resurrection. Why don't you watch this video and watch the story? I'm Jill Smith, and this is my story. I'm Rosemary Lister, I'm a registered nurse at Honor Health Shea in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, on October 1st, I uh, was getting my kids ready for school. And I just fell on the floor, just dropped dead. And my mom did CPR on me and ambulance came and I ended up at her hospital. So Jill ended up on our floor October 10th. This was after being in a coma for a week and she was taken off uh, ventilation and placed on comfort care. Um, they had said she had a cardiac arrest event and that she was in a coma for a week and that she was not responsive. And so they had concluded that the cardiac arrest um, caused a brain injury uh, so badly that she would not recover. And so I was just to have her there on comfort care, which means we keep them comfortable until they pass away. Um, so she came to us in that state. 
and um, I prayed for Jill. Um, very simple prayer. I've always believed in the power of prayer, and really prayer comes through just talking with God on a normal basis and having Him in your life on a normal basis. And I've never considered myself just super theological in any way, but I do know God's Word, and I know His promises, and I talk with Him every day. And so um, I just decided to pray, pray for Jill, and believe that God had something so much bigger for her life. And so I laid my hands on her, and I prayed for her. And um, it was kind of funny because <laughs> I told Jill, it was like, you know, the the part in the Bible where one of the disciples laid on top of the girl to recover. And I was like, Lord, I can't do that. So I just was like, okay, that's all I can do, Lord, is put my hands on her and pray. So that's what I'm going to do. And I did. And um, before I left, um, her urine, I know it sounds kind of morbid, but her urine looked better. And I was like, wow, that's huh, that, that's amazing. And I'm like, Lord, I need a doctor to intervene for Jill to like stop this whole process and like try to like fight for her because she needs somebody like in her corner. And um, when I came back Tuesday, the doctor had told me that couldn't get her off of his mind. He kept all night long, it just kept bothering him and bothering him. And he said, I'm going to I'm just going to go in Monday and I'm going to look at all her labs, look at all her charts, like look at all her, anything they did on her. And he said that he did and he wanted to make her the first patient he saw that day. And um, of course I was excited when he was telling me all this stuff because it was just amazing to me um, seeing how God was working for her. And he said he walked in the door on Monday morning and he said, hi there. And good morning and she turned her head and she looked at him and he knew in that moment that she's awake and wow we need to fight for her and those were his exact words and I was like oh man I just got so excited in my heart because I was like okay she's awake now we need to start praying for like okay her talking and walking and doing all those things again so Tuesday, um, when I found this out, I let John Mark know and um, just was like, hey, can you pray for Jill? Like, can you pray for her recovery? Can you have our church praying for her? And so then they started praying for her. And there she is. Yeah. <laughs> My kids call me zombie mom, and every kid I've known calls me zombie. They just think I'm a zombie now because I died and came back. You have the rare opportunity to have attended your own funeral. Yeah. Now you know what people would say about you, right? Yeah. Now you know all the nice things that people think. I need better pictures. There it is, sorry, it's finally worked. Had to re resurrect this mute button here. Oh, 
Hey guys, God still performs miracles. He is still in the healing business. He is still into raising people from death to life. And maybe that's going to happen for you today spiritually. Maybe there's a new beginning for you today spiritually. Here's what I know is that we can trust Jesus and his words and his teaching. By the way, I just want to thank Jill for allowing us to share that and thank Pastor John Mark and Rosemary for sharing that as well and putting that video together, that story together. That was just a tremendous blessing for us. uh, I wanted to not forget to say that. But here's what we'd like to say around here at Rivers Church. Jesus, he predicted his own death and resurrection. And then he pulled it off. And anybody that can predict their own death and resurrection and then actually pull it off, that's someone you want to at the very least consider. That's somebody I believe you can put your trust in. You can put your whole life's trust in somebody that can actually pull that thing off. That's what Jesus did. And that's what today reminds us of, that Jesus rose from the dead, that he is alive. So let's go back to John. Let's go to John 21 here. And we're going to look at how this story continues for John and the disciple or for for Jesus and the disciples and specifically for, for Peter. Jesus has risen from the dead. He's appeared to the disciples a couple times already by this point. And we're told, we read that he's actually has actually appeared to over 500 people actually after he rose from the dead. And so then he comes to, um, to the Sea of Galilee where the disciples are hanging out. And so let's, let's, let's pick it up in verse 1, chapter 21 of John. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter... Thomas called Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Apparently, they've been fishing on the wrong side. I just made that up today, just so you know. First service. It's another Bible joke. We like Bible jokes, right? Go to the right side, not the wrong side. Okay. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Now, what's kind of hilarious to me is the fact that these fishermen actually admit to not catching anything. Yeah, that's kind of funny to me. A little side note. But these disciples are experiencing the same thing they experienced when they first encountered Jesus. Because Jesus had done the same thing. Hey, throw it down the other side. And they're like, who is this guy? And he says, come and follow me. And I'll teach you how to fish for people, not just fish. And they're like, okay. And so they've been doing this for three years. And then it happens again. They didn't recognize Jesus until this moment. And they get excited. Like, it's the Lord. It's Jesus. Peter is so excited. He jumps out of the boat and swims to Jesus. The rest of them stay in the boat. They come and they see that Jesus has prepared a, a fire. He's got some bread and he wants them to come and sit down and eat with them and hang out with them. And so here we see Peter now. He's approaching the same situation that he had been at the moment that he had denied Jesus three times. He's going to sit at a fire and he's looking at Jesus face to face. You ever had one of those moments in life where a smell can trigger a memory. Did that ever happen? Isn't that amazing? The power of smell is just fascinating. It can trigger good memories or bad memories. 
Can you imagine this moment for Peter as he approaches the fire? Jesus is, in fact, let me, let me read this here because uh, verse 10 shows us that Jesus calls him there. So Jesus tells them to uh, bring the fish you've just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, because apparently somebody counted. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And so you can see Jesus want them to come and sit down and eat with them. And so Peter's approaching this fire. And you, can you, just the smell of smoke would be one of those triggers for him. Like the last time I sat around a fire and I caught Jesus' eyes, it's a pretty bad moment for me. I'm sure him and all the disciples are wondering, okay, what's going to happen here how is Jesus going to speak to us? What, what is he thinking? Does he still believe in us? Does he still love us? They had all turned their back on him. Peter's now having to face and confront head on perhaps the biggest failure of his life, where he did the very thing he said he would never, ever do. So here he is, sitting down to have breakfast with the one that he turned his back on three times. I'm sure that they're still battling the pain of that, the, the shame of that, not just Peter, but all of them. And Jesus offers them this invitation. He says, come and have breakfast with me. You can see that Jesus still cares. He still loves. And he still wants relationship with them. He, he is showing up. You can see already by his actions that he's showing up because he cares about them and he, he wants to show them that he still believes in them. And he still has a future for them even though they've messed up. Maybe you can identify with that. And I want you to know that no matter how much you failed, Jesus still has a future for you. He still cares about you. He still loves you. And so Peter here, he's having to come to grips with what, what, what he's done, with, with his past. You know, we, we've got to own what we've done in order for us to move forward. You know that? And so Jesus is saying, come and, come and be with me. Come and sit down with me. Come and have relationship with me. Let's share a meal together. That's what friends do is share food together, share a meal together. And that's the invitation that Jesus has given to you and me today. Come. Come and have relationship with me. And maybe today you're going you're gonna to respond to that invitation from Jesus. You're going to come to him for the first time. Or maybe it's for the hundredth time or the thousandth time. We're just going to respond to Jesus' invitation, his call to all of us, come to him, to have relationship with him, to enjoy him. That's where it started back in the beginning with the disciples. He said to them, Matthew 4, it's recorded, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. So he's saying, hey, come join me, be in relationship with me, follow me. And I, I got a mission for you. I got plans. I got a purpose for your life. And then later on, Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Come on. Anybody need some rest today? I'm not talking about just a good nap. I'm talking about inner rest, that peace, that rest that only God can give you from the inside out. Jesus has come to me. I have relation. I want to have relationship with you. I have plans. I got purpose. I got peace. I got rest for you. You see, Jesus went to and through the cross because he really wants relationship with us. That's really what he wants. And maybe today's a day for you to respond to that relationship. And so now let's see what Jesus has to say. We can see love in his actions, but now let's see what he says to Peter specifically. John 21, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? 
We don't know exactly what these are, but I, I believe the likeliest scenario is that he's pointing to the fish that they're eating. And fish for Peter would have represented his past. So he's like, do you love me more than your past? Do you want to go back to your comfort, to your past? Do you want to go back there or do you love me more than that? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. You can see that Jesus is saying, I still got a future for you. Your failure is not going to define you, Peter. And I'm here to meet with you in this moment to restore you and to give you a new beginning, a fresh start. And you can see that Jesus loves Peter, based upon the response here. What is interesting to me is what Jesus doesn't say in this passage right here. Because this is a great opportunity for Jesus to have one of those, I told you so moments. You know, you ever had one of those? Anybody ever done that to you? You ever done that just with a little bit of joy to somebody else? Hey, I told you so. Jesus could have done that right here, right? Hey, Peter. Hey, look me in the eyes. Hey. I told you so. Hey, who was right? Huh? Huh? I said you're going to do it. You said, no, me never. I never will. I will die with you. Who was right? Come on, let me hear you, Peter. Tell me. Come on, you were right, Jesus. You were right. Let me hear you. You were right. That's right. I was right. I told you so. That could have easily been his response, right? And he doesn't look at Peter and say, hey, Peter, uh, can I count on you this time or are you going to fail again? Are you going to try harder? Because, boy, you blew it last time. You notice how Peter does, or Jesus doesn't shame Peter. He doesn't condemn Peter. He speaks to his heart. He says, here's really the issue. Do you love me? And that's the foundation of our relationship with Jesus, right? It starts with him. He loved us. The question is, are we going to love him? The foundation of, are we going to live life with him and, 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 and be with him and stay committed to him for the rest of our life? The foundation is, do I love him? I want to encourage you today, don't just believe in Jesus. Don't just serve Jesus, love Jesus. And respond to the love that he has already demonstrated for you and given to you. Let's be people who love Jesus. Hey, even the demons believe. is what God's word tells us. They're not going to spend eternity with him. So it really comes down to love. When I love him, I'm going to, I'm going to believe. I'm going to serve. I'm going to share about Jesus and all that he's done in my life. Love is the core issue. That's the foundation. And so Jesus is speaking to Peter's heart because this is what matters. Do you love me? That's the question. And I love this chapter. I think this is, I mean, easily one of my favorite, in, at least in the top five chapters in all of Scripture. Because we just see the heart of Jesus restoring somebody out of his failure. This is often called the restoration of, of Peter. We can see Jesus met with him and all the disciples, not to condemn them, but to propel them into their future. Jesus met with Peter, not to remind him of his failure, but to, but to restore him into his future. Not to point out all the, the, the wrongs he had done, but to say, I got, I, Jesus is more concerned about our future than he is our past. Did you know that? And so right here, he, he's, he's, 
speaking to, to Peter about the future that he has for him. Yes, Peter's got to own what he's done. He messed up. He sinned. Our, our sin is a big deal. Like, we can't just sweep it under the carpet. We like to, right? We, we, it's our tendency, but our sin, when we really think about it, that's what put Jesus on the cross. It's a big deal. And so we want to avoid it. We, we want to maybe hide it and not deal with it because it's painful. It's, it's shameful, we feel like. But when we give it to Jesus, it's amazing what Jesus does with that. He gives us grace and forgiveness. It's that new beginning. And that's what Peter's experiencing this moment as he is encountering Jesus and, and having to confront the biggest failure of his life. And Jesus is restoring him into his future. I think that, that Peter was, was, was thinking of these words that he says in Acts 3. Uh, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I think Peter was, ex was speaking from experience because he knew he had, he had to meet with Jesus and had to come clean. But what did Jesus do? He restored him and he refreshed him. He didn't condemn him. And so here Peter is just a couple weeks later from this moment in John chapter 21. He started the church. He's preaching and he's, and he's telling people, hey, if you repent and own up to your sin, here's what God's going to do. He's going to refresh you. And some of you are going to experience refreshing today as you own your sin and what put Jesus on the cross. And, and so and in response to that, Jesus has grace and he's got forgiveness and he's got refreshing. I think Jesus wants to refresh you today. That's a part of the new beginning that you're going to experience. So let's look at just a couple more sentences here where Jesus is still talking to Peter here. He says, I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me, which is such an interesting call and restoration thing, because what Jesus is saying to Peter is, hey, here's what's going to happen. You're going to die on a cross. That's men. You're going to stretch out your hands. So you're going to die on a cross in the end. So follow me, Jesus says. Like, how would you respond to that? What would you say to Jesus? You're like, wait a second, Jesus. Come on now. Where's that abundant life thing, right? Come on. Rich and satisfying life. Like, that sounds pretty difficult. Time out, Jesus. Can we negotiate this here? We would probably try to do something like that. And Jesus is just being real. It is going to cost you something. And in the end, you're going to die on a cross just like I did. Peter went through it because he knew it was worth it because he loved Jesus that much. Jesus had changed his life so much. He lived it out to the very end. He proclaimed that Jesus was the long awaited Messiah. And history tells us that Peter did die on a cross, but he says, I'm not worthy to die on a cross right side up like my Lord and Savior Jesus. And so he said, crucify me upside down. <laughs> and that's how he died. But he faithfully served Jesus to the very end. And even gave his life for Jesus. It seems like that happened for all of the disciples, with the exception of John, who were reading his revelation that he got at the end of his life. And so Jesus is saying it's going to be difficult. Hey, when you were younger, he says, you kind of did your own thing. You went your own way. You could do whatever you pleased. But as you grow up, you got to grow into maturity. You got to follow me. There's, there's obedience. You got to trust me. And this is where we, we struggle, right? Because we think my way is better than your way, God. Like, I'll believe in you, but to trust you and live for you and obey, ah, it's difficult. I, I don't know. We feel like we know better than the one who created us and gave us life, if we're honest, right? That's pride getting in the way. 
I don't trust you, Jesus. My plans are better than your plans. But Jesus is like, I, I gave you your life. Like, are you sure you want to go? I mean, he'll let you go that way. We can trust him with everything, no matter how hard it gets. And so Peter is faithful. He is faithful because he knows how faithful Jesus is to him. And he's experienced the faithfulness of Jesus right here in this moment. The man that he denied publicly could have looked at him and said, Peter, I don't think you got what it takes. I don't know if I really, I mean, I said you were going to be like somebody I was going to use to lead the church. Yeah, I don't know. But he says, I still believe in you. Your failure is not final. That's not your future. You know that we all are a product of our past, but we don't have to be a prisoner of our past. Jesus went to the cross and through the cross to set you free from your past. You don't have to be a prisoner of your past. Yes, it affects us, but you can be free from that. And Jesus is looking at you saying, I offer you a new beginning. Maybe you need a fresh start today. I'm in a relationship with him. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in a situation. Maybe it's in an attitude. Maybe it's in a habit. You've, you've developed some habits over the last year or so that need to stop, that need to end. Here's what I've learned is that in order for a new beginning to, to take place, something must die. When you think about it, it makes sense, right? In order for a new beginning to take place, something must die. Death is required. So what needs to die? What do you need to let go of? What do you need to stop? in order for Jesus to do a new work, a new beginning in your life. What is that for you? Maybe you can identify with the failure of Peter. You feel like a failure. Maybe you've said to people, I will never do this, and you've done it again, and you've hurt people. And you did the thing you said you would never do again. Maybe someone's done that to you, and they let you down time and time again. Maybe you're at this place in life where it's like you ended up in a place in life where it, this isn't what I thought life would be like. I thought it would be better. This is not where I wanted to end up. Maybe you feel confused, hopeless, lost, hurt. I want you to know that Jesus can meet you right where you're at, and he can give you a new beginning, and he can restore whatever's going on in your life. You look to him. You trust in him. Today is your day, friends. Maybe you're here today, and you're, you're here because someone forced you to be here. Because that can happen on Easter, you know, right? I'm just here because, you know, and you fill in the blank, okay? And man, we're just glad you're here, honestly. Maybe church is a place where you feel like the message is all about you're horrible, you're not good enough, and uh, you need to act like everybody else, like be a good Christian. And that's, I, I hope you don't hear that message today. God loves you, and he loves all of us in spite of our imperfections. We've all messed up, guys. We're all, this is a room full a people full of just messed up, broken people. Well, many of us have allowed God to fix us, to restore us, and to redeem us, and to begin a new thing in our life. And so today's a day where you can experience that, I believe. You know, I was thinking this week, this might be kind of an odd thought, but what if somebody came out in the next month or so and said, hey, oh, by the way, I have a cure for COVID. And I've actually had it all along these last two years. Like, how do you think that would go? Like, think about that. Like, all that we've gone through, could you imagine how the world would respond to that? 
Like we were emotional and angry two years ago. What would people say to that? Like, if it's even true, there's no way anyone's coming out now and saying that, right? <laughs> That's just a crazy, people would be so angry, so upset. Like seriously, all along I had access to this. We had, my family had access to this. We could have, like all that we've gone through for the last two years, could have, you could have eradicated that. Like seriously, what were you thinking, bro? It'd be so much anger. You're like, you're so selfish. Like what? I can't even believe that. Well, let's be real. Let's be honest. Let's have, I think, a, a proper perspective. There's actually something worse than COVID, as crazy and as horrible and tough as that's been. It's caused a lot of pain and loss the last couple of years, guys. Which is why I think this is an appropriate message for us today. New beginning. As horrible as COVID is, as horrible as cancer is, I hate cancer. As horrible as depression is, there's something far worse that must be dealt with, guys. And it's this disease called sin. It's way worse. And why? Because sin is what created all those things. It's what brought disease and pain and heartache and death into this world. Sin is what sentences you and I to an eternal death. But thankfully, we don't have to experience that death because of Jesus' death. Because of his death and his resurrection, we can experience a resurrection and a new beginning in him. Friends, there's a cure to sin. His name is Jesus. Put your trust in him. Put your faith in him. I'm calling on you to come to him today. Believe in him today. And let's, let's not just uh, follow him, but let's love him with our whole hearts. Would you respond to that call today? I believe that God wants to birth something new today. Are you ready? You ready? You ready for God to do something? A new beginning, a fresh start is coming your way today. Let's stand to our feet right now. We're going to sing a song that's going to declare a new beginning here. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.